says in Psalms that he, Psalmist writing, a man associated with great pain and loss and brokenness and hurt, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. That he says in his word that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And yet many of us today raised our hand and, and echoing the sentiment that we feel as if our back is against the wall or maybe that God has failed us or maybe that God, thank you guys, is a million miles away. I want you to know today that he's not. I want you to know that he's very intimately concerned with your life. He's intimate concerned with your call, with your validation. Oftentimes we don't get that in people, but he calls you a child of the king. He calls you one of his own. He's not ashamed of you. And I like the fact that the apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're an unashamed out there today. Come on, give him praise. He's worthy. Come on now. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus and really culminating this book, this personal letter to a church who needed encouraging. And he spoke so many wonderful doctrinal truths through the book. And then he culminates on this chapter 6 where he begins talking both to children and to parents, predominantly fathers. And he speaks to servants and he speaks to masters in verses 1 through 9. And and he's speaking about honoring your mother and your father and, and, and that the longevity will be added to your life and that this is honorable. And then he says, fathers, provoke not your children under wrath. But raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He speaks about servants and understanding the relationship between a servant and a master. We can apply that today with workers and employers, employee-employer relationship. But then he gets to this one big crescendo in this chapter that really becomes the theme of it all. And it's really based upon this one word in chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, where he says, finally. Everybody say, finally. Everybody just throw your hands up and say, finally. Do you ever sometimes just feel like you just want to go, finally, God answers the prayer. God showed up. But I want you to understand something. What I'm about to unfold to you today is not some elementary truth to be discounted as, as one of the biblical stories of the whole armor of God that we can just throw to the side and not really be empowered by it, not be equipped by it, no pun intended. But the reality is, is what we know today is that men and women, Christians, brothers and sisters, children of God are walking out to be exposed to the enemy's devices, his lies, and no wonder the church is defeated today. No wonder sometimes you feel frustrated. It's because you're not armored up. You don't feel equipped to fight the wiles of the enemy. And I want you to know today that if you apply every single other characteristic of uniforms, for example, the firefighter knows that he cannot go into a fiery building without his proper uniform, his proper boots, his proper helmet, his breathing apparatus. He will not go into that fire because he knows that going in unprotected, his life is going to be but short. And watch what happens. He's not going to be able to rescue anyone. He's not going to be able to bring anyone out on his shoulder. He's not going to be able to do what a firefighter is set to do unless he's in his proper uniform. You take guys that are, that are linemen. They have to wear certain type of equipment, certain types of gloves, and they drape certain types of leather and things that w- would not allow the electricity or the electrical current to, be, to expose themselves to that type of high voltage. They understand that probably better than you and I. The soldier, the military man or woman that goes on the battlefield... To say that they understand that every piece of every piece of equipment that they have is so viable would be putting it mildly today. I mean, literally, soldiers' jobs have been lost for not caring and keeping up with their equipment. To say that a soldier understands the most singular, most important part of his, of his weaponry, and that is his rifle, his personal weapon, would be putting it mildly. 
One-star generals have lost careers over misplacing a weapon. Why? Because the army realizes that this soldier, though he's incredibly trained, he's incredibly equipped, that if he doesn't have that one thing, that weapon, to uh, at some point begin to return fire, to retaliate, to, if you will, turn the defensive into an offensive, overthrowing. The, let me tell you, the reason we have the most important, most viable, strongest weapon in the United States soldier today is because those men and women are equipped morally, physically to do the job that they were set out to do but make no mistake about it if they don't have their canteen that holds water and they don't have their 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 ammo to 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 shove into that magazine well to fire a weapon and they don't have their weapon and they don't have their 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 kevlar helmet and now they have uh, night vision goggles and all of these other things their boots and all of the necessary tools the camo that would hide them among the enemy's eyes And we accept that at face value. But yet in the word of God, as I'm about to unfold to you in the next week or two, that God has a blueprint for your life, an unfolding, if you will, a plan, a destination in mind, knowing that if you and I suit up and that if we can say, finally, we get it, finally, there is some strength that can come to me in a time of weakness. In fact, the apostle Paul praying to God in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, he said that you would deliver me, remove this thorn in my flesh. And God spoke back to him and he said, no, I'm not going to deliver it because it's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. Me, aside from my my armament, aside from my weapon, I am exposed to the enemy. But God, finally, when I put this on, I become a force to reckon with. The enemy cannot touch, somebody needs to hear this today. The enemy cannot touch you. He cannot touch your children. He cannot destroy your marriage. None of that is possible unless you go out into the world unsuited for the enemy's devices. Watch what he says. Look with me, if you will, to verse 10. Finally, everybody say Finally. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord. Don't be strong in your own condition. Don't be strong in your own volition. Don't be strong in your own mind. Listen, if you depend on your mind and your heart alone, it will lead you to destruction. But he said, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your way acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Watch what he says. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, if I operate under my power, I cannot do what I'm doing here right now. I don't have it in me to give you anything that will help anyone. But when I operate under the power of the Holy Spirit, guided by his word, divulging and giving you his word, that word is alive and it can change lives. Watch what he said. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Watch what happens in verse 11. Then becomes your part. And if you don't do this part, and listen, we live in a very slothful, very lazy world. And you know that's true, so you can say amen right there. But the Bible is very clear that you and I have to do something in order to be armored up. You have to put on the whole armor of God. You have to take it. Watch what he says. That you may be able to stand against the wiles or or the devices of the enemy. Why? Because the person that you think is your enemy today is not your enemy. Your home today may have become a battlefield. Your spouse is not your enemy. School, young people, may become a battlefield. Your teacher is not your enemy. Teacher, you may be so frustrated because parents aren't coming alongside of that kid and helping to support the things that you're trying to pour into them. That parent is not your enemy. 
The person that's bashing you, the person that's pulling from you, the person that's hurting you, even from the persecutor to the persecuted, that is not the enemy relationship. The Bible says very clearly, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, therefore, Finally, watch what he says in verse 13. Take unto you again. Now, not just look at it, not just know about it, not just see that it exists, but put it on, take it. You have to be an active Christian. Your faith without works is dead, James says. You cannot just go oddly through life having been saved by the grace of God and think that everything is going to be okay. Can I be the first to tell you today, big wake-up call, everything is not going to be okay. Until we see him face to face. I preached the other night, at, at the, uh, yesterday morning at the, at the men's conference down at Perry. And I preached a message about it, it is not an option to quit. Children of God, we don't have that as an option. It shouldn't be in our vocabulary. There is no plan B. you got to keep getting up. And you got to keep walking. And you got to keep pressing on. And when you have done all you can do to press on, lean in and let God carry you through. The reality is, is we're failing. It's not a great inclusive message i'm not saying that you're a failure i'm just saying in our mandate to go and be strong in the lord mighty in his strength we're failing at that which is why most of us raise our hand and feel like that spiritually we're not there the enemy's lying to you you are a child of the king you have the power the same power in you that raised jesus from the dead you have the same power in you equipping you but you got to put it on you got to take control of your spiritual life. The enemy's a liar. Everybody say that to, right now. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver. You know what else his name is? He's an accuser of the brethren. He will tell you you're not strong enough. He will tell you you can't make it. But watch what it says. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Look at the first two words of verse 14. Stand, therefore. You feel like sitting down spiritually? Stand up. You feel like throwing in the towel? Stand up. You feel like letting your head down? Let him be the Psalm 3 lifter of your head. Let him be the shield of your faith. Let him be the strength behind your sails. Stand up. Don't you dare allow the enemy to lie to you and tell you that you're not valuable, that you're not valid, that you're not important, and that you don't have the power to overcome everything the world is throwing against you. Here's the hope. The hope is that when the world looks at you as a child of the king, they're going to see something different about your walk. You know why? Because you just keep getting up. I know it's tough. Some of you have experienced things Far beyond anything I can fathom. I see Amber and Timmy sitting here and, 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 and Alan and Tracy. I, I can't fathom. There are no words for that. How do you keep going and keep getting up? i tell you how. You take upon the armor of God and having done all to stand, having done all to get. Do you ever just not want to get out of bed? Anybody else besides me? You know, it's interesting, a lot of students raise their hand. I'm not talking about you don't want to go to school. I really don't want to get up. I'm talking about you can just lay there and melt in your bed for days because you just don't want to face today's trials. Let me read these to you real quick. Stand, therefore, 
having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everybody say peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. See these action words, having, putting on, taking, having the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to just unfold a couple of things. I won't get very far, but I want you to grab onto this. I want to give you a message today and starting today and next week entitled, Suit Up. It's time to put on the clothing. Let me tell you something. If you go to school tomorrow, student, and, and you don't have on your pants, and you walk into school with your boxer briefs on, and you walk in, you're going to get laughed at. You're going to look silly. All the teachers in the house go, dude, you don't even know what we see. It's worse than that. If you go play football, Clark, and, and you don't have your cleats, and you walk out on there, and you got socks on, you know what that guy's going to say? All I got to do, that big old guy, is stomp his feet. Hey, what if you went out without your helmet? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to crush y'all. They're just going to bust you in the head and you're done. As silly as that sounds, that's exactly what the enemy's saying about you and me when we go out exposed to his elements. We're not suited up. And, man, he's going to attack you right where you are lacking. The thing you don't have on is the area that it's going to come at you. Look at verse 14. Having your, I'm going to start at the bottom, having your loins girt about G-I-R-T or G-I-R-D, it's fine. Gird about with truth. Watch this. To truly understand what that looks like, it means that you're going to battle. That in that day, they would have worn a long tunic or a cloak. And it would have been down to their feet like a dress. And what the man would have done when he's getting ready to go and to, to hunt an animal, or he's getting ready to go into battle, he would reach down between his legs and he would grab the back of that tunic. He would pull it up above his knees. And he would grab the sides of it, and he would roll them in knots. He'd pull them across his, his belt line. He would tie it in knots. And now he can't be hung up on the briars. He's running through battle. He's freer. He can run with a man ought not be running in dresses no way. I think God had a sense of humor with that one. But the way that man could overcome that would be to gird about his loins. He would, he would pull that up, and he would tighten himself up, and he was ready to run without any distractions or, or, or something grabbing onto him. The enemy couldn't grab his waistline, couldn't grab his cloak. He was, he was tighter. He was, he was drawn in. He was prepared. The Bible says, had his loins gird about with truth. Jesus says it this way, I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm truth. I am truth. See, we, we stand not on truth. You know why? Because we don't know the word of God. We can't. Listen, do you know that the Bible says that when you know the words and the truths of God, which are promises in him, yes and amen in him, you can say to God, I'm holding you to your word. Did you know that that's in the Bible? You can say to him, I am holding you to your word. That sounds sacrilegious. How many of you have ever been mad at God? It's okay to tell him he knows your heart. It's okay to read in this word that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Or that there's no temptation but such as common to man. That God is faithful. And with that temptation, he'll make a way of escape that you will be able to withstand in that evil day. Listen, it's okay to say, God, you said you wouldn't put on me more than I can handle. How many of you feel like sometimes you have more on you than you can handle? Look to him and say, God, you told me in your word. Or when the enemy's coming against you, to, to, to gird about your loins with truth. See, this area has to be protected because this is what navigates your life. 
This is how you walk. If, if, you're, if your legs are cut out from under you, same thing on a football field. They'll tell you, knock his legs out from under him. I don't care how big he is, he'll fall. Do you know in the Army after uh, post-Vietnam, they started coming up with different strategery to shoot the enemy. The kill shot was here or in the head or something. And then they realized, watch this, that if I can shoot him in the leg and blow his leg off, it's not only going to take out that guy, but it's going to take out two other guys who are going to have to carry him out of battle. The enemy is not interested one bit in destroying you. He just wants to limit you. Because then other people have to take time to surround your life and be the lifter of your head. But if you would have suited up, the reality is that you'd walk in truth. You can know know that there's a day coming. Revelation 21 and 4, standing on truth. You can know that there's a day coming where God will wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. And you can say that to God, that there's a point in time where you're going to see your loved one again. There's a point in time where addiction that has held you bound your entire life can fall like shackles to the floor. But you've got to know that. Why? Because there is no stronghold that God cannot overcome. But if you're not girding yourself up in that truth and you first have to know it, You're going to walk around defeated, frustrated, and you're not going to be effective for the glory of God. Not only the loins girt about with truth, the band comes back, if you will. Watch this. Verse 14. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Note that he doesn't tell them to put it on or indicate anything you can do. It says having it. You have it or you don't. Watch what he says. The very best... That I can bring to a holy God is as a filthy rag. The very best, church, that you can collaborate, you can gather your money, your funds, your talents, your works, events, salvations. The very best that you could bring and kneel down and lay at your father's feet. He says, it is as a filthy rag to me. So how do we get to God? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible says he is the author in Hebrews and the finisher of my faith. Then I'm living from faith to faith. When you don't trust God and you don't see anything happening, you have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Why is it a breastplate? Because it protects your heart. It protects the thought process. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you start to feel like God is a million miles away, you will become a million miles away from the power of God through your life. You have to protect this thing. You do so with the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because what what I will know to be true today is that some of you today treat God the same way that you would have treated your parents. For example, if mom is mad at me, i got to stay away from mom. She needs that cooling down moment. All the moms in here are going, you just don't even know. I need that right now. Especially daddies. I remember my dad, he used to look at me. He would get so, I, I, did, I did some stupid things as a kid. My dad told me one time I was slinging a stick. I, I don't really know why I was slinging a stick, but I was, I was like circling, and I was, I was like 16. I was slinging a stick. And I'm like spinning around, and, whew, and it was hitting the house. Dad came outside, he goes, stop slinging the stick. Cool. He went back in, I'm slinging the stick. Busted a window. Oh, yeah, I know. That's on. Y'all didn't know my dad back then. There was a French door that didn't have steps or a deck, and it was about this high. 
He said, get over here. I wasn't 16. I'm not, I wasn't. I was like 21. But anyway, he went over. And he said, he grabbed me by the back of my shirt, snatched me up, and started into the den and was slinging me and caught me midair and brought me back. And you know what he said? He said, didn't I tell you not to throw the stick? I said, yeah. You know what he told me? He said, you need to get away from me right now because I'm about to hurt you. And you know what? Sometimes we look at that and we think, when we fail God, we come creeping before the throne of God, cowardly, sheepishly, saying, God, I'm sorry. I've broken your heart. I don't mean to minimize the failures in the sins of our life, but can I tell you something? He's already paid for your failure. He's already died for your sin. He has already removed the penalty of sin. He's taken the sting out of death, hell, and the grave. It's defeated. The victory is yours. You're not merely a winner. You're more than a conqueror through Christ, which gives you strength. You're an overcomer. When you mess up and you fail, don't you dare hold your head down. You come boldly before the throne of grace. In 1 John 1, 9, confess your sin. He's faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Do you know why? Because I have put on the breastplate of righteousness. When I go out and the enemy says, Mark, you're no good. Mark, you're not going to last. Mark, you're going to fail. Mark, you're going to do this. You know what I do? I say, I don't have to do any of it. When he said on the cross, it is finished. It was paid for. It was settled. Now all I got to do is walk in it. That's liberating to me because I'm not, I don't have to be a producer of righteousness. I became his righteousness. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, lived a perfect sinless life, became my sin so that when he died on the cross, my sin and your sin and every sin ever committed was nailed to that cross on Calvary. When he died, that sin died with him. When he got up, that sin was in the ground. It was over. He got up clean and he will wear, watch this, he will wear the scars of of the sin cost in his hands and in his feet and in his side and in his head for all of eternity your savior and mine will walk through heaven hand in hand with you in the cool of the day and you'll be able to glance over and see the holes you didn't know that the bible says he will wear those scars for all of eternity so that you can be presented without blemish or spot you've been made righteous because of his death loins girt about preparing for battle we're at war we're in a war but the beauty in this war is that the war has already been won we just got to show up we just got to show up to work because there's work to be done the war is not just one over good and evil that's been settled it's not one over the church in the world. We're his bride, man. We are, we are made white. Our sins, though they were red and scarlet, he makes them white as snow. That doesn't even make sense that you can take red blood and make your sins white. That's how big my God is. The war is against yourself and your unwillingness to walk in the finished work, the victory 
The reason you're struggling in your faith is because you've not armored up. You've not put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I'm going to end here today. You don't have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. You're not walking in the word. Don't ever think that there is power in the preaching and there's power in the singing and there's power in the events and there's power in the community and things that we do. All those are subsets, byproducts of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he loved me, a sinner, a holy God, reconciled me to himself, made me right with him that I may walk in freedom and liberty. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 1, stand fast in the freedom, the liberty, wherewith Christ is Set you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Some of us, we walk right back in the same pits and entangle ourselves in the web of Satan's lies, and all you got to do is stand up and break out of that. Marriages don't have to just be mediocre, they can be phenomenal with the person you're with. I had to offer that little caveat. It can be everything you desire with the person sitting next to you. Do it like this, go. Because you know you want to do that. You want to go, really? Really? You fail God? Awesome. You can't go back. No do-overs. Step into a newness of life and use the failure to bring someone who's in the same ditch out and let it be a testimony. God will take the mess of your life and He'll give you a message. He'll take the test and He'll give you a testimony. He'll take four women of ill repute, a prostitute, a woman that was created out of incest, a woman who was a deceiver. He will take women who are nothing and no good and rejects, and he'll bring them into a place, and out of them flows the lineage of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God can do anything. In spite of you and me, he could change the world. I want to end with this. I'm persuaded. I am persuaded. Finally, I've come to the point that I am persuaded. I am convinced that neither life nor death, no principalities or powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, things to come, things that have come and gone, Rulers of darkness, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the precious love of my Savior. I am persuaded. You can no longer, you know what that means? I looked it up. It means you can't change my mind. It means that no matter what happens today or tomorrow, economic collapse, I am persuaded. Relational failure, I am convinced. Loss of a loved one, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world's behind me, the cross is before me. I made a choice, and I'll make it again today. You can have this world, I accept Jesus. You can have the money, I want Jesus. You can have the world, I want Jesus. You can have man's accolades and man's approval, I want Jesus.
You can have the fancy stuff and all the... Let me tell you, I just want Jesus. And here's the beauty of that. Take no thought, he says, Bruce, for what you shall wear or what you shall eat or where you shall sleep or even for your own life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things that you think is important to you now. When you push it aside and you just pursue him, he will give you those things and better beyond anything you could fathom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things. They'll be added to you. Do you know when God will trust you and give you a pay raise and give you money? When you're faithful with the little that you already have. If you're not faithful with what you have, he's not going to bless you with more to be unfaithful with. That goes with relationships. That goes with calling in your spiritual life. You want your ministry to take off? Then be faithful with the little ministry you have right now. There might just be one person you're discipling. You want your prayer life to start produce fruits? Speak life over it when nothing is happening. Speak life over it. You want to know the book? Get in it. I want to ask you to just bow your heads with me. I wonder if you raised your hand earlier when Keith prompted you to raise your hand. That you're frustrated or living a a spiritual disconnect. I wonder if right now you would just, before anything else is done, you would just get up and come to this altar and say, God, I want to be back in tune with you. I want to be back in tune with you, God. Don't wait for me to give a formal invitation. Hey, are you about to get married? You and your to-be spouse, you need to be at this altar crying out to a holy God to protect everything that you're about to embark on you're about to have a baby won't you come now not when we have this formal uh, embellishing moment where we invite everyone and you hand your child over to god metaphorically won't you come and give that precious baby that fruit of the womb to jesus right now mamas and daddies you are in for a treat but let me tell you something it's one of the most difficult things you'll ever do expecting moms and dads you need to come to jesus and just say here i am god here we are here's my baby just come The rest of you are sitting around today, and I wonder if you know that you know that you know that if you died right now, that you have Jesus in your heart, you have heaven for a home. You can say unequivocally, without any apology, no debate, Mark, if I died right now, I have heaven for a home. Lift your hand up right now. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Okay, some hands have not gone up. What are you waiting for? Today is the day. This moment is the moment. You came today to hear this. Jesus loves you just as you are. He died for you just as you are. He paid your sin debt in full. You can be made whiter than snow. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We fall short daily. Pray with me right now from your heart to God. Pray this right now if you would like to know Jesus as the Lord of your life. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. If you pray that prayer and you meant it in faith, in a heart condition of repentance, in longing to be saved by the Savior, then the Bible says you've been born again by His grace, by His stripes. Your wounds are healed. If you prayed and invited Jesus in your heart today without any debate, lift your hand up right now. No one's looking. Just lift it up real quick. Lift it up. And I prayed and asked Jesus in my heart right now. Lift it up. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? How many of you can say, Mark, I'm I'm just in a difficult place right now. 
Hold your hand up. Mark, I'm struggling. Hold your hand up. Hold it up high. Everybody look this way. We all have something to pray about. Amen? If you gave your life to Jesus, there's some men and women down front that would love to pray with you. The doors of our church stand open today. If this is where you have been praying about becoming a part of this fellowship, come today. We'd love to have you to be a part of our family. If you'd like to come today and say, you know what, Mark, I feel like God's moving me to be a missionary, moving me to be a a preacher, moving me to do some kind of spiritual walk greater than I'm doing right now. Come now, let us know. Or maybe just God spoke to you in some kind of way. You just want to come and shake one of our hands and turn around and walk away. You don't have to say a word. Just to acknowledge, God, I heard you. Satan, you're a liar. Put on truth. Put on the armor. Put on faith. You have to be active. You do that today, you can walk out and they'll Satan lie to you. You tell him, nope, I took a step for Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet all the way in the room. Everyone's standing. If God spoke to you this morning, just come shake my hand, turn around and walk away. If God's called you to join our church, be a part of our family, come now, man. We'd love to have you. If God's given you life today, come, let us know about it. We'd like to pray for you. But come, they sing.